0: give us the grace to forgive when we have been sinned against restore us renew us again give us the meekness to heal give us the mercy As we ourselves forgive.
1: like david and the temple i want to bring you praise like david and his temple plans your ways are not my ways you don't need me to build a temple to know that you love me still Oh, oh. like israel on the shore See it's crashing waves, but like Israel on the shore, it's through the wild Jamaica way. I will go where you go, I will stay where you stay, oh. going before me I don't want to go if you're not going before me Like Moses in the desert I want to see the land But like Moses in the desert I can't fully see your plan, still your love doesn't stop when I see the land from a mountaintop. Like Peter on the hill, I want to make this my place. Like Peter on the hill, before your transfigured face. I will go where you go, I will stay where you stay I wanna be there It's written on my soul You're all I've ever needed Anywhere you go I wanna be there It's written on my soul You're all I've ever needed Anywhere you go I wanna be there It's written on my soul You're not going before me. I don't want to go if you're not going before me. I don't want to go if Jesus in the garden won't you take this cup from me like Jesus in the garden you don't call where you won't leave I wanna love like you love I wanna bleed like you bleed oh, oh.
2: Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Jay. If you're new here, I'm the director of worship for City Church. And if you're joining us online, we are so glad that you made time for that and you're here with us, uh, even from a computer. Um, We are going to start our service with a call to worship from uh, Ephesians chapter two. Would you stand with us and we're going to hear God's word and prepare our hearts for worship together. This is Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared before him that we should walk in them. Would you join me as we pray? Father God, would you help us boast not in our own strength, not in our own wisdom, Not in our own ability, but boast in you. God, as we sing, would you remind us that all that we have, all that we are, is because of your grace and kindness to us. May we remember that we are saved not out of something you saw in us, but out of your own unconditional love and through your grace alone. God, would your Holy Spirit be in this place, helping us to see the riches of your mercy and by that be changed and grow in the likeness of Christ this morning. God, we come to exalt your name today. So would you please help us? We pray in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to sing a song that we uh, introduced last spring, but I recognize that quite a few people have joined us since last spring, so this might be new for you, but this is a song that uh, is a City Church original. If, If you don't know it, listen to the words, join as you're able to, and let's sing it together.
1: and for all it was done because of the blood of the Lamb that was shed for humanity's rebellious heart. Sin was a sickness that pushed us away from your
2: holiness. Sing that second verse. Sing verse two. You rose from the depths of the grave
1: Power of death that held on to humanity's rebellious heart. The cross was the healing that brought us into your holiness. Here's the chorus. We are justified only by grace through faith. In Christ, we could try our best, but fall short of your glory. Oh.
2: Sing in heaven on high heaven on high now you reign a king
1: you are pleading to us through the father showing us your gracious heart declaring us righteous in the presence of your holy fall short of your glory oh we are justified only by grace through faith in christ
2: A chorus.
1: We are justified only by grace through faith in Christ. We could try our best but fall short of your glory. We could try our best, but fall short of Your glory.
2: Sing this ending together.
1: To remember your goodness and all that you've done for me.
2: I need you.
1: Your good, and your love is great. I'm broken inside. I give you my life. Cause I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. My flesh may fail. God, you never will, cause I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me, my flesh may fail, my God, you never will, cause I may be weak, your spirit's strong in me, my flesh may fail, my God, you never will. I may be weak, your spirit's strong in me, my flesh may fail, my God, you never will give me faith to trust what you say, that you're good. Make that your prayer. Give me faith. Give me faith to trust what you say. That you're good and your love is great. I'm broken inside. spirit strong in me my flesh may fail my God you never will Cause I may be weak your spirit strong in me my flesh may fail my God you never will
2: amen you may be seated.
3: Good morning. Welcome to City Church. My name is Chipper. I'm one of the pastors here. We are a church aspiring to be an authentic community walking with God in our city. If you feel like your flesh is failing, this is a place to be. May God work in great power and give us rest in Jesus this morning. We would love to get to know you. We would love to, especially during the week, be praying for you. If you do one thing this morning, fill out a connection card with your prayer request. You can put your name on it. You can make it anonymous, however you want to do it. But we want to know what God is doing in your life. We want to know, is your flesh failing? Tell us about that. We want to pray for you. That's one of the most important ministries we have as a staff here in the life of our church. We give you a bulletin. It has connection cards. Uh, it should have a connection card in it when you walk in the door. You can fill that out, put it in the seat pocket in front of you, then we will pick those cards up after the service and pray for you. There's also an online version that you can fill out on your phone, citychurchgnv.com slash connection. You can do that now or whenever, really, even during the week, and we'll see it, and we will pray for you. We'd also just love to say hi. Uh, as I say each week, I am wandering aimlessly around this area after every service. I don't know what to do, and I want to talk to you. So humor me. Um, come find me. We also have hospitality people in the lobby. There should be someone at the hospitality table in the back as well uh, with more information about our church. Come find this, come talk to us. Um, we would really love that. We worship a generous God. Part of our responsive worship as a people of God is giving generously. You can give online, citychurchgmv.com slash give, uh, or there's a brown box in the back of the sanctuary with some envelopes and some pins. A few unique and really wonderful things coming up in the life of the church. Number one, for the first time ever, we're doing a homecoming weekend next weekend. What does this mean? Because, you know, UF has been having homecoming for a lot of years, but we're doing it this year. So what is that? We're inviting alumni from our church, people who have um, worshiped with us in the past and then moved away to come back, spend a weekend worshiping with us saying hello. By the way, if you're an alumni, you, you can come anytime. You don't even have to come on homecoming. You're always welcome. We're inviting them back mainly so we can hear from a couple of them concerning how has, the, how has God been working in their lives since they've left City Church, and how did God use the City Church family uh, to mold them and form them in such a way that um, God's still using their experiences even now. So I think you're going to be really encouraged by this um, so if you come to the service on Sunday, part of that service is going to be hearing from a p- couple folks that used to go here. Even if you don't uh, know them at all, I think you're going to be um, built up in the Lord. So we'll see you there. And then on Saturday, we are having um, kind of a, a tailgate of sorts at 9 a.m. It has to be 9 a.m. It has to be early because the game's at noon. Uh, so Saturday morning, 9 a.m. at the Szymanski residence. Beautiful property, a couple miles from this church. Uh, the, uh, the address is on our website, and it's on Realm. Uh, You can also put a note on our um, connection cards. We'll give you what you need, 9 a.m. on Saturday. Come join us for a couple hours. However much time you have, there will be some alumni there you can mix and mingle with. So we'll see you on Saturday morning. We are also having a night of worship, not this coming Friday, but the Friday after that. So not this Friday, but the Friday after that. We're going to have an evening of worship right in this space. Uh, That will be hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes of just singing songs to the Lord um, encouraging each other in Jesus so I hope that we will see you there not this Friday but the following Friday I'll be the 15th 7 o'clock right here in this space we are also uh, relaunching a couple of our community engagement initiatives that were put on hold for a while because of the pandemic or were significantly modified uh, and one of those partnerships is a mentoring that we do at Aquin Jones a school just a mile up the road from here middle school high school combo um, number one we are helping them restock their school, kind of re- store that they use to motivate and encourage students. Uh, Aquin Jones is uh, for students that have been kind of having a hard time. They get sent there um, and get more intensive input from staff and teachers. And so this is a great way to, to motivate and encourage those students. We're going to help them restock their store. There's a list of stuff that we need to bring on that table, on the hospitality table in the back. Um, So I hope that you will go check that out. I think you can actually pick up the list and take it with you. I hope so. I'm saying that. Tyler's saying yes. So there's lists on that table. Help us restock their store uh, and then there's information on there about how to get that um, those supplies to the right place. Also, we are about to start mentoring students again, which is fantastic. One of the things we've missed dearly the past couple of years. It means uh, basically a 30 30 minute commitment each week very consistently over the course of the year. you get assigned a student by the school, and then the main thing is that you do it regularly and you stay on it. It's unclear right now whether or not we were, are gonna start virtually or start in person. It kind of depends on how the school board votes on October 19th, um, but one way or the other, we're gonna start, and you might start online or you might start in person. We need a lot of people to be invested in this. The impact of it will blow your mind. I promise you God is at work in this. Uh, so put something on your connection card, Show interest that way. Find me after the service, and we will make sure that we get you connected and started here. And train. We train you. We make sure the process is smooth and wonderful and all of that. So hopefully we'll hear from you, and that will be in the next couple of weeks. We also have some brand new missions resources on that table that I hope that you will pick up and read and pray over in the coming couple of weeks. We are putting a great emphasis on prayer this year. We've always had an emphasis on prayer, but we're we are we're trying to up our game, and that means a lot of things. It means a week of fasting and prayer back in August. Every Wednesday night, we pray together at the white tents across the street from our church at 530. Come join us. It means a whole lot of other things. It also means that during our services, we are going to be praying more. Um, and once a month, we're going to be doing what you might call a pastoral prayer. You might be thinking, well, don't the pastors pray often? On Sunday mornings. Yes, we try to do so. So what is a pastoral prayer? It's a more extended time of prayer that we write out and plan, um, very much how we write out and plan sermons and things like that in life of the church. So starting this morning, we are beginning a more consistent pattern of pastoral prayer. I think will be edifying for you. Uh, it'll be challenging. It's longer. Um, you're going to have that head down for maybe a, an expansive time that you're unaccustomed to, but we really think that God is going to use it. So Ryan Harding, And one of the pastors here at City Church is going to lead us this morning in a time of pastoral prayer.
4: All right, let's pray together. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to move mountains but have not love, I'm nothing. If I give away all I have and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. By this will the world know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Father, we thank you for these words from Scripture that highlight the importance, the priority of love in our life. That love is of the fruit of the Spirit, the chief evidence of a heart that has been touched by you of a life that has been changed by you. And Father, we, I know I, and probably many of us here, need to start by repenting of our lack of love. Lord, forgive us for the ways and the times that we have been cold, that we have been distant, that we have been impatient, that we have been irritable, Lord, that we have not thought first about how we love one another, that we have not thought first about how we seek to know and abide in and rest in your love. Forgive us, Lord, for our forgetfulness. Forgive us for our distractedness. Forgive us, Lord, for our lack of love. And Father, I pray, remind us this morning. Remind us again of your love. Help us to know your love, Father. Remind us today that from the foundations of the earth, you have planned and woven together a beautiful story of redemption for your creation. Remind us that you have sought out sinful and rebellious people, not because we're deserving, but because you're gracious and merciful and because you care for us. Remind us today that you see and know every one of our hearts and that you still love us. And may that love drive away shame, fear, pride, hopelessness, and every form of idolatry that daily lurks in the crevices of our soul. Help us to know your love of Christ our Savior. Remind us today of your humility and your generosity and coming down into this world for our sakes. That though you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that you humbled yourself and came down into this broken, dark world for our sakes. Remind us today of your gentleness, your kindness, your compassion, of how you seek out the least and the lost, how you heal the sick, how you mend the broken, how you pursue those who are wandering, how you welcome in the stranger. Remind us again today of your authority and your power that you call those who are not and make them as you want to be, that you speak to the dead and you call them to life and that you laid down your own life and took it back up and that you did so all out of love. Remind us of the magnitude of your love, the how deep and high and long and wide is the love of Christ, that it is so great that we cannot fathom it. But Lord, give us a glimpse, give us a taste again this morning. Remind us of the cost of your love, your willful and perfect sacrifice for our life, for our forgiveness, for our salvation. Remind us of the hope of your love, that as you rose again victorious over sin and death, so too you will raise us again to everlasting life in your perfect presence for all eternity. Help us to know your love, Holy Spirit. Remind us of your love manifest in your faithful presence with us through the most joyous and the most difficult seasons, through the brightest and the darkest of days. Remind us of your empowering and equipping work in our lives that you give every gift that we need for our good and the good of others to edify the body and to lift high the name of Christ. Remind us of your love displayed in your comfort, that you comfort us in our grief, in trials, in calamities, in hardship, in pain, that you are near to us, that you are nearer than anyone in this world could ever be dwelling within us, speaking life and truth. Remind us of the ways that you convict us of sin, the ways that you lead us into truth, and that you quicken our soul with the words of life. Oh Lord, we are a forgetful people. I know I am a forgetful person. Remind us again today of the depth of your love. And as we fix our eyes on you this morning and seek to remember these precious truths, would you create in us an overflowing love that source is clearly supernatural, like the spring of living water that bubbles up in the dry desert that the prophets spoke about? Lord, may we overflow with affection for you like a small child. May we rise early every day and run into your arms, leap to you, eager to be near you, eager to hear your voice, eager to spend the day with you, eager to be close to your heart. May we love you above all other things in this world. Seeing you as infinitely worthy and deserving of our attention and our affection, our praise, our adoration, our time, our energy. May we daily delight in you as you have delighted in us and sought us out. May we have a deep and abiding love for you, O Christ, our Savior. May we reflect on and rejoice in your life, your death, your resurrection, your ascension, your ministry right now at the right hand of the Father, interceding for us, advocating for us. And Lord, may we remember of your promise to return to us, that you love us faithfully and that you will be You will draw us near to yourself for all eternity. May we delight in you, O Holy Spirit, yearning daily to encounter your presence, daily to experience your comfort, daily to hear the words of life in Scripture illuminated by the light that you shine into our hearts. And in and through all of this, may you produce a spirit wrought love in our lives for one another. May we care for one another's well being. May we carry one another's burdens. May we listen. May we comfort. May we be present. May we speak when we need to speak. May we listen when we need to listen. May we serve when there is a need. May we be attentive to those who are downcast, discouraged, demoralized. May we visit those who are sick, those who are afflicted. May we love as Christ has loved us, as our Father has loved us, as the Holy Spirit has poured out love in us. And Lord, as you say in 1 Corinthians, now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. May we remember each day that the greatest characteristic of a follower of Christ is love. May we not neglect that. Help us, Lord, to not forget that, to not forsake that, but to cling to you each day. Thank you that you speak in power through your word. We pray as we turn to this message this morning, would you illuminate your scripture? Would you open our eyes to see you? Would you open our ears to hear you? Would you open our hearts? to receive you, and to believe. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.
3: It's good to go before the Lord in prayer, challenging ourselves, listening. When was the last time you sat in silence, even for that six or seven minutes of time? May the Lord use it. Powerfully, our scripture passage this morning is from Book of Second Corinthians, Chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Second Corinthians, Chapter 2, 12 through 17. The passage will be up here on the screen. If you have a Bible, we would encourage you to pull that out. Follow along with us. This series in Second Corinthians that we're in and will be in for a few months is called "Strong and Weak." This is for weak people. Uh, if you're feeling really, really strong, you might not get anything out of this series. You might be, you might be pretty bored until May or so. But if you're feeling weak and you sense your need for Jesus, this series is for you. 2 Corinthians two twelve 12-17, this is God's word. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was opened for me and the Lord, my spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession, and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, In the sight of God, we speak in Christ. This is God's holy word. Well, I have always enjoyed a solid parade. and In fact, we have one coming up in just a few days. I'm there for it, especially now that I have a couple of kids and I can bring them with me to the parade and justify my attendance. I have always felt that if you you want to go to a parade, you kind of need to go with somebody. Otherwise, you're just sort of staring at folks by yourself for a couple of hours. But it turns out that I actually really enjoy being in a parade, especially if the parade happens to be Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Party Parade at Disney. In high school, I was a part of the drum line, and somehow we ended up playing in this parade semi-regularly. It was just a 45-or-so-minute bus ride from my high school. You know, the rest of our high school band played in it, as well, but let me tell you, we, the drumline, saw ourselves as a separate thing, man. Now, the warm-up and the staging for the parade in the backstage area was kind of a bummer. I mean, we rehearsed next to this retention pond that smelled like wet socks, plus we, we were always queuing up, we were always lining up for the parade when we were done warming up, right behind, it was like the Jungle Cruise or something exhibit, and so it meant that we were getting growled at at like... 150 decibels by the speakers that were hidden in the in the fake woods but then for for 10 minutes 10 minutes or so we were we were stars especially the drum line we marched through the park in front of I don't know like 10,000 people cameras flashing and the and the glow sticks were glowing and the kids were smiling and waving and thinking we're celebrities, and I just wanted to tell them, like, no, No, we really are not. The whole thing was very magical, and you could see the impressions being made, especially on the kids. Now, I understand that most of you have probably not lived this kind of charmed life. You have not participated in Mickey's Very Merry Christmas Parade. However, what if I told you that followers of Jesus are all a part of a more intriguing parade. A triumphal parade organized by the God of the universe that marches on even in overwhelmingly difficult times. A parade that is far more impressionable on the people who are watching than anything that Disney has to offer. Two reflections this morning pertaining to this parade, which actually helps us understand what it looks like to stay on mission as a people of God during seasons of great difficulty, and it calibrates our expectations about the ways in which God will use our faithfulness. Two reflections this morning. Number one, missional faithfulness in hard seasons. And number two, missional fruitfulness, and hard seasons. And we'll begin with that first reflection. What is missional faithfulness and hard seasons? What does it look like? How do we pursue that? We've already said a lot about this so-called severe corrective letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians in light of their mounting opposition to his apostolic Authority and message. He wrote this severe letter between the letters we call 1 and 2 Corinthians. And by the time he wrote 2 Corinthians, Paul knew by way of his ministry partner Titus that the letter had actually been very effective. The Corinthian believers received his correction, repented, at least many of them did, and were once again open to Paul's spiritual authority. In teaching. All very encouraging. We gave you this information at the beginning of our series because it helps us make sense of the book and its purpose. However, that info about the outcome of the severe letter is a bit of a plot spoiler. Paul actually doesn't mention this outcome until he gets to chapter 7. So, here in chapter 2, Paul is reaching back into the past to give the Corinthians insight into the mood and circumstances of his ministry before he received the encouraging news about their response to a severe letter. And as it turns out, these circumstances were awful, both physically and emotionally, just holistically bad. And this is what Paul has to say about it. When I came to Troas to preach the gospel of Christ, even though a door was open for me and the Lord, check this out. My spirit was not at rest because I did not find my brother Titus there. So I took leave of them and went on to Macedonia. He was planning to go to Macedonia, but it seems like he was going to stay in Troas for longer than he did, but he cut it short. Those of you who have dealt or are dealing with anxiety or emotional distress, Paul can relate. After he wrote his very severe corrective letter, he made his way from Ephesus to Troas primarily to take advantage of this open door provided by the Lord for gospel ministry. Open door here suggests a favorable climate and receptivity in Troas orchestrated by God. Paul also went to Troas, expecting to rendezvous with this guy Titus, his ministry buddy, who would presumably give Paul news about the Corinthians and their response to a severe letter. But Titus was not in Troas, which left Paul in the dark concerning the state of these Corinthians. And because Paul Love these Corinthian believers so deeply. Remember, he helped start the church there. This unexpected information gap, it overwhelmed Paul emotionally. Like he couldn't do it. In fact, it caused him so much emotional restlessness in his spirit that he ended his ministry in Troas and continued on his way to Macedonia, presumably because maybe he would find Titus there. You know Paul is hurting big time when he passes on an opportunity for ministry, probably church planting ministry, since the Lord had raised up a a core group of believers in that city. This is the, the them that Paul took leave of in verse 13. You know something is up with Paul when he's so distressed. That he moves on from a seemingly God ordained ministry opportunity. And who can blame him for this estate? Listen, when I was, I don't know what people do these days, but when I was in middle school, and I am dead serious about this, it was completely reasonable to send a note to someone you were interested in romantically to ask them to check yes or no concerning their romantic interest. And you, this is not a tall tale. This happened often. But now we have smartphones. I don't know what we do now. That's what we used to do. Imagine how you would feel if that person responded, through an intermediary, of course. I'll get back to you on Wednesday. And now it's Friday and you haven't heard anything. You'd be a mess. You would you would Fail your math quiz, no matter how well prepared you were for. This was Paul's situation, except infinitely more serious and totally disheartening. And recall the additional afflictions that Paul already mentioned in chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. This is what he said earlier. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experience in Asia. This is potentially referring to Ephesus. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. This is what ministry life was like for Paul. Relentless waves of physical and emotional and spiritual affliction. Relentless. One of his darkest hours being this agonizing season of uncertainty as he waited for the update from Titus. But Paul didn't quit. He didn't throw in the towel. Did he respond perfectly? No. He had his moments just like any other sinful person. You could even argue that he left Joraz prematurely. But he kept going because, get this, he was thankful That is surprising. Look at verse 14. Think about these circumstances and then think about what he's saying here in verse 14. But, despite all of this, thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. In Paul's day... Roman military generals would hold these very lavish victory parades or triumphal processions involving adversaries that the general and his army captured during their conquests. And then the captives who were of course now slaves effectively at the service of this general were a testimony, a visual testimony to the success Of the conquering general. And Paul is saying this, thanks be to God the one who has made me his captive and leads me around as a part of his victory parade doing what he will with his life, with my life. Captives in in Roman victory parades were not thankful for any part of their participation. There was zero gratitude. So why in the world was Paul thankful for being in, in God's parade? Especially because that parade had thus far, as we've just been talking about, been as, about as fun as, as, as trying to retrieve a quarter that slipped in your car between the, the front seat and that center console. had been awful. But he's thankful for it. And he was thankful for this reason. Paul had this towering view of the grace of God in Christ and the wisdom of God's plan and providence to such a degree that the benefits of being God's captive vastly outweighed the cost. Paul is thankful because he has such a towering view of the grace of God in Christ and the wisdom of God's plan and providence that the, the benefits of being God's captive vastly outweigh the cost. And you know, this, this captivity language might sound strange to our contemporary ears, maybe even coercive and, and oppressive. It's strange to think of ourselves as, as captives to God. But the biblical witness is this. Everyone is a captive to something or someone. Everybody. Either you're a captive to your sin, you're a captive to your idols, or you're a captive to the God of the universe. Romans 6, Romans 8, Ephesians 6, 1 Peter 2. You could go on for a while here. Self-mastery is an illusion. It's a, it's a total illusion. If, if you put your hope, say, in your, in your physical appearance, you will never completely master your appearance, but it will master you. If you put your hope in your job, you'll never completely master your vocational life, but it will master you. If you put your hope in, in safety, You'll never feel completely safe, but fear will master you. Hoping in the things of this world often smells like freedom. You know, I, I'm the captain of my own ship. I've got it. I'm the general. We don't see ourselves in the parade. We, are see, we see ourselves as the as general who's, who's leading the victory parade. I've got it. Thank you very much. But those alternative gods that promise freedom always take you captive instead. Every single time. So the clearly superior option is to be mastered. If you can be mastered by something, might as well be be mastered by God the Father. The one who sent his son Jesus into the world to free us from slavery to sin and make us his slaves instead. The one whom Paul described earlier in this letter, this is chapter 1 verse 3 as a father of mercies and God of all comfort. You to be mastered by something. Might as well be mastered by that God. Paul was well aware of his sin. Before his miraculous encounter with Jesus and, and conversion on the road to Damascus that you can read about in Acts chapter 9, he used to oversee murders of those who were affiliated with the early church. That's what Paul was up to. And after he became a follower of Jesus, he still talked about his sinfulness like this, 1 Timothy 1.15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And here's the saying, when you see yourself, like Paul did, as the foremost sinner, Becoming a captive to the foremost dispenser of grace will certainly make you dance even when your external circumstances are exceedingly difficult. You'll give up your so-called rights to become a captive of that victorious general and you will go wherever he wants to take you even when things are very hard. This is why Paul was so keen on being part of the Jesus parade, even though he was, in a sense, a captive. And that's why he kept going. That's why he kept persevering. Church, these considerations are the fuel for faithfulness in the midst of difficult circumstances. Awareness of both the magnitude of our sin and the magnitude of the grace dispensed by the victorious general. Those are the ingredients for faithfulness in the midst of difficult circumstances. We may not understand the parade route. We may disagree with the parade route. But in light of what we've experienced in Christ, we have more than enough information to follow the general with with this confident and thankful trust. And besides, uh, where else are you going to go? Where else are you going to go? Back to the things of this world that promise freedom but end up giving you nothing of the kind? Back to those things? Two observations before we move on. Number one, work with me here. The more we downplay... Followers of Jesus, the seriousness of our sin, the more we'll speak of God solely as our lover who will hold us and cheer for us, etc., and never say anything difficult to us or warn us or challenge us. And believe it or not, when this becomes our view of God, it's far less likely that we will actually follow God. In fact, when the storm clouds come, we'll say things like, I thought you were supposed to do things for me. I thought you were supposed to hold me. I have rights, you know? And then we'll throw in the towel. Suffering ends up just crushing that kind of therapeutic Christianity, which is more culturally palatable and maybe easier to put on the radio, but it's also totally impotent. On the other hand, cross-centered Christianity, for all of its discomfort and and cultural out-of-syncness, that has some juice. Embrace it and you will encounter this, this reservoir of grace that will change your life and it will give you joy and gratitude even in the midst of suffering. Second observation. And now I'm kind of combining chapter 1 and chapter 2 of 2 Corinthians. Followers of Jesus, when you suffer, here's what we're seeing. You actually have two unbelievably powerful resources at your disposal. Number one, when you suffer, you can call upon the God of all comfort, knowing that he wants to minister to you and will minister to you. We saw this in chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. But even if, in his wisdom, your circumstances continue to be difficult, it's possible to be so captured by the grace of God that you can experience true joy and gratitude even as you experience those difficult circumstances. You get gratitude that is completely independent from the circumstances of tomorrow. Remarkable consideration. And how do we get how do we experience the magnitude of God's grace like that? A lifestyle of repentance and belief. A lifestyle of repentance and belief. Always repenting, always confessing, always believing in the promises of God. Individually, corporately. You could talk about that all day long. Church, if we're in Christ, we are part. Of God's victory parade, so we can be thankful in whatever circumstances we face as his captives because now we have this new life in Christ. We're freed from our sin and we'll share in God's victory so we can keep going, we can keep going, we can keep going. But there's actually more here, there's more encouragement to weary souls. And that brings us to our second reflection the missional fruitfulness. We can expect during hard seasons. So here's how it gets even better. Not only do we have the juice we need to keep going despite the very often difficult circumstances of the parade, God will use us along the way. Guaranteed. In fact, that's one of the reasons why God leads us in this triumphal procession. Look back at verse 14. And this time continue into verse 16. But thanks be to God, who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing, to one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. The term fragrance or or fragrance, as we use it today, generally refers to a, a very powerful, unmistakable, unavoidable smell. And the term can have a a positive or negative connotation depending on what it's referring to and, and the sensibilities of the person who encounters the fragrance. You know, when I bring flowers home to my wife, she might say that they have a very lovely fragrance. We don't typically speak that eloquently around our house, but you get the point. On the other hand, when I get home from the gym and thus bring home a gym bag full of workout clothes, my life will tell me, wow, that's that's very fragrant. And of course there the term has a negative connotation. What Paul is saying is that as he is a captive in God's service, as a part of God's victory parade, God is going to use Paul's life, to very clearly and boldly present the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to everyone. God is going to use Paul to spread the powerful fragrance of the gospel everywhere he goes. And everybody will have to reckon with it. And the expectations for Paul's ministry and really for our ministry, since Paul is using plural pronouns all over this passage, the expectations are as follows. Some people are going to smell the gospel and accept it and receive new life in Christ. Other people are going to smell the gospel and reject it to their demise, a fragrance of death. We don't control those responses. That's in the Lord's hands. But as we participate as captives in God's victory parade, know that he will work through us to cause a spiritual reckoning. In other words, our faithfulness will not be in vain. Be encouraged. Your faithfulness will not be in vain. And actually be even more encouraged, and here's why. Faithful suffering actually tends to accentuate the fragrance of gospel ministry. It turns out that There's a unique unique kind of of richness and texture when you suffer in Christ's victory parade that's very hard to ignore. And then be encouraged one more time. Paul says that as he injects this gospel fragrance or aroma to the world around him, he's an aroma to God himself. Verse 15. So by being all in to spreading the, the good news of the gospel, Paul's very life ends up being a sacrificial offering to the Lord. And that aroma is pleasing to the Lord. Usually when you had these, these military parades, the general would come by, the captives would come by, and people would, would burn things with the fragrance. And that fragrance would be pleasing to the general. We'd be honored by the burning of this fragrance. And so as we sacrifice our lives, and through the very real difficulties of life on this earth, our lives become a sacrificial fragrance, an aroma that is pleasing to the Lord, that he delights in. So be very encouraged. Know that faithful followers of Jesus are being used by the God of the universe, to spread the fragrance of the gospel all over the place. And our expectations are that some will hear it and respond and find new life in Christ. And some people will reject it to their demise. There is no such thing as neutral gospel preaching. It either brings life or it brings death. Here's what that means: We can leave this space, even today, even if even if we're barely hanging on, if our grip is slipping, knowing that God is still using us for faithful mission in our city, our work, in our home. Most of it unseen. And if you're thinking to yourself, listen. I'm really not up for the task. I really don't have the resources I need to do this. Look at verse 16, continuing into verse 17. Who is sufficient for these things? Answer, nobody. For we are not, like so many, peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. When when you're a peddler of God's word, when you're you're doing ministry for self-gain or personal promotion, good luck. You're on your own. But when you're a captive to Christ, God will give you exactly what you need. No, you are not sufficient, but God is sufficient. And as you commit your life to him as a fragrant offering, stuff is going to happen. Some people will reject Christ, but some people will receive Christ and find new life. So I hope that you leave here encouraged in the gospel, encouraged not because you feel better about yourself, but because you feel better about what God is doing in your life and who he is. Amen. Every week at City Church, we participate in the Lord's Supper together. The Apostle Paul describes it like this. He says that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was to be betrayed, shared a meal with his disciples. And during the meal, he took the bread and he broke it. and He said, this is my body given for you. Do this whenever you eat of it in remembrance of me. And then in a similar manner, Paul says after the meal, Jesus took the cup, and as he poured it, he said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. And Paul says as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. Because Christ rose again, and ascended into the presence of the Father in his return is certain. If you're a follower of Jesus, be encouraged, be nourished in the Lord as you receive this meal. This is not just a time for remembering. It's a time for the Holy Spirit of God to work in power and change you, transform you, nourish you, remind you, as Ryan was praying about earlier. If you're here and you would not say that you're a follower of Jesus, if if you're captive, so to speak, to the things of this world, I hope that you will see this morning the beauty of being a captive to Christ. The beauty of giving your life is this fragrant, sacrificial offering to God. I would love to tell you more about that and talk with you more about that. This meal is for followers of Jesus. Come and enjoy and be built up in Christ Jesus. So be an elder or deacon at either end of this table with a basket. And they will, when you come forward after I pray, they'll take a, one of those packets and they'll just drop it right into your hand. So you can form a line here and there. They'll take a packet, put it in your hand. There's also a basket In the back of the sanctuary. If you want to go, just take directly from there as well on the hospitality table. If you're here and you wouldn't say that you're a follower of Jesus, we're glad that you're here. Um, Instead of taking this meal that you don't believe in, at least at this time, we would encourage you to simply reflect on what we've been talking about this morning. Let me pray for us. Lord, we are grateful that you give us space like this every week to minister to weak people. Thank you, oh God, that you give us the resources to persevere, to remain faithful, even in the midst of very difficult circumstances. And thank you, Lord, that you are using us, even when we feel like we're we're dust. Thank you for these reminders that you are using our faithfulness to shine your light into this world. And would you do amazing things among us in our city. May your spirit bring revival Pray that you use this time to remind us to repent, to confess things that are in our hearts that we detect that need to be confessed. Maybe do that this morning as we partake in this meal. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
2: Staying with us.
1: his name, we overcome, though the storms of hell pursue, in darkest night we worship you. i in victory by his name we overcome praise
5: it again thank you all for being here today it's good to see you hear the word of the Lord I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now being confident of this that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus devote yourselves to prayer being watchful and thankful. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Amen.
2: Let's sing the doxology. Praise God
1: from whom... Amen.
2: Amen. Go in peace.